I'm Samantha Bove, and this is She's Too Much. This show is for the woman who's been told that she dreams too much, talks too much, cares too much, thinks too much, feels too much, needs too much. And I say it's about damn time that we are even more. Because that thing you think makes you too much is the exact thing the world needs more of. So last week I was on a podcast with a friend of mine. Her name is Jen. And this is a woman I really respect. Like she walks into a room and she lights it the hell up like she's gorgeous she's articulate she's intelligent she is passionate she's hilarious she is just such a presence and she was getting teary-eyed on the podcast telling me essentially summarizing how she hopes that her daughter who's 14 will grow up to love herself as openly as i do And that the way that I show up in my self-expression and talk about my relationship with myself has deeply inspired her. And this is a woman who's in her 40s. She's successful. She's all the things I just explained. And it was really one of those moments where I said to myself, if I decide to take what she is saying to me about me as the truth of me, then my identity can and forever will be changed in this person, in this moment. And this is one of the biggest self-confidence tips I could ever give, is that when someone tells you something about your magnificence, when they shine a light on the parts of you that are genius, are unique, are beautiful and exquisite and magnetic, believe them. Take it as truth. And this one was really hard for me. I could feel my body shrinking and rejecting this reflection of myself. But I sat there and I said, even though this is really hard for me to believe coming from you, I'm going to take this as the truth. And she looked at me and she said, you should because it's true. And she's going to be on the podcast next week. And our conversation really sparked this week's episode on self-love and not just self-love, like in the way that I think is talked about online. Right now, the biggest things that I hear about self-love are either still very much like bubble gummy, like sweet, like take a bubble bath, like read at night, have boundaries, or it's kind of intense, like stare at yourself in the mirror every night and like do these really witchy things. Um, which I love both of those, right? But today, especially if you've been listening to She's Too Much, you probably know that I'm not just talking about like, oh, like, let's like ourselves more. Like, that's kind of not what I'm here for. I'm talking about developing such an intimate, delicious relationship with yourself that most people are probably going to think, including you at first, oh, this is just way too much. And This is an episode about how you can become the person who walks into a room and everyone is magnetized because they can tell this is a woman who deeply knows herself. She trusts herself. She likes herself. 
so that whether or not she says something weird or anyone validates her or she makes a friend or she spends the whole night alone just observing the room, no matter what happens in there, she is going to go home and be so thrilled to be in her own company. You're also going to love this episode if you really struggle to feel comfortable saying, hey, I don't really want to come. I want to just spend some time alone and really just feel uncomfortable generally prioritizing yourself. If you're looking for a way to really deeply tap into your creativity, if you're always saying yes to plans compulsively and then don't really want to go to them, if you struggle to carve out deep, meaningful time with yourself, or if you find that when you do have alone time, like at night or you have a free day on a weekend, you're defaulting to things like TV or to excessive scrolling. So a large part of what we're going to talk about today is alone time and why we avoid it. And alone time to me is the same thing as prioritizing yourself and the same conversation as self-love. You really, to me, cannot be a person that fully exudes that self-acceptance and self-love if you do not spend an adequate amount of meaningful, nourishing alone time. It's like saying that you, you know, have a life partner, but you never really spend any time alone. Like that's truly to me the severity of what is going on in our relationships with ourselves. We want this epic relationship with ourselves, but we never have a date night. We are always on our phones when we're with ourselves. We're distracted. We're, you know, picking fights with ourselves rather than creating these moments, what I call holy moments, of developing deep intimacy and curiosity with ourselves. So I've had an odd relationship with alone time. And when I get it, I love it. Like I'm not the type of person who like needs to be calling someone 24-7. I've never been like that. But I often don't prioritize it because I'm naturally very extroverted. I'm very social, but I also know how important it is when I get into a groove like last night where I realize like, oh my God, this is so important and like the most fulfilling thing ever when I really get to have those moments with myself. And so I thought about, okay, I had this like amazing experience this weekend. I've spent the whole weekend essentially alone and I'll talk to you about what that really looks like for me in a minute, but... I've identified the three roadblocks that prevent myself and I would assume a lot of people from prioritizing themselves and prioritizing their alone time. And so they are scarcity, guilt, and shame. So scarcity is the one that I think gets the most attention. Like I don't have enough time, but it's not just about time. It's also about things maybe like money. It's just the not enoughness narrative that prevents us from just enjoying our own company. So to elaborate here, last night I thought to myself, okay, I'm like home really early. It was only 5 p.m. I'm going to work. I always do that with myself. I always go into the, oh, I have some extra time. I should work. I should write because my life and my business, because I designed it this way, are very fluid. They really bleed into one another and Sometimes there is no boundary because I don't want there to be a boundary because that's part of what it it means to be a creative entrepreneur to me. And I do find that a lot of times I'll tell myself I need to work when really I just want to play. <laughs> and I don't actually need to work because I worked all week and I can have the time where I can just be playing. So scarcity with alone time, 
noticing all these things that I'm sharing, scarcity, guilt, shame, it's about noticing them. And then I'll give you some practical steps to move through these blocks. So the scarcity of not enough time, you know, that's a lie. I'm sorry. I'm going to give it to you straight. You have time to spend with yourself. Even in the most hectic, stressful periods of my life, I somehow made time to watch TV, to blow through seasons of Gilmore Girls and Sex in the City and all these different shows. Look at how much time you spend on social media. You can see the stats. You have time. Okay. And this is not to shame you for doing those things because sometimes we need a minute to check out. It's okay. I do it. And the thought that you don't have enough time to spend alone is bullshit. Now, if what's coming up for you as well is I don't have enough money to have the luxury of being alone you got to look at your relationship with money because if you feel that way, and I, this is something I'm exploring literally on a daily basis, if you feel like the time, and this is a lot of what I work on with executives, if for those of you who don't know, I do intuitive leadership coaching and I work with executives and CEOs who have made a lot of financial success and abundance in their life. And they come to me when they're looking to go a little bit deeper when they feel like, okay, I have surpassed my financial goals in my life, but I'm still feeling unsettled. I'm still feeling scarcity. I'm still feeling like I can't be patient with my family, be present, be focused, and explore new creative depths and a new way of operating through my business, through my life, et cetera. What comes up so often is I can't do this because I should be working. I should be brainstorming. I should be thinking about another side hustle. And when we never give ourselves the opportunity to have the downtime to just say enough is enough. I put in the work today. It's 6 p.m. It's 7 p.m. It's 8 p.m. I'm done. Enough is enough. And that's where you start to find your faith is when you can day after day decide to put up a boundary for yourself which, right, a boundary is also just an opening to a door to somewhere else. It's not a wall. Every boundary to me should have a door. A boundary should have, if you put up a boundary to a friend, that should also be a door leading to yourself so that you can spend more alone time with yourself. If you put up a boundary with a friend because you want to go see another friend and that's okay, you're allowed to pick and choose how you want to spend your time and who you want to spend time with, that boundary is a door to that other person, right? And so, You have to get comfortable putting up the boundary to, I have done what I needed to do today to make money, to make myself financially secure, and my worth and my worthiness is not tied to if I could figure out how to make more money today or stress about more money today, okay? That's the scarcity bit. Notice how much not enoughness is coming up for you and how much you really use that as an excuse. Second is guilt. So I'm going to borrow for guilt and shame some of Dr. Renee Brown's definitions here. So guilt says, I've done something or failed to do something that is aligned with my values. Essentially, I've done something bad. So starting to really put yourself first is going to require a shift to your value system which is not an easy task. So most of us, especially women, are deeply programmed to put others first. This is not shocking news. And not only are we programmed, but oftentimes it's just our natural instinct as nurturers, as empaths to decide to 
see someone in their need and say, ooh, that is more important than me meeting my own need. And what I see so many people struggle with is this guilt, this guilt that when they decide to put themselves first, they feel like this is not right, that I'm placing a higher value on my peace rather than pleasing other people. And when we continuously decide to make it a habit of saying yes to things that we don't want to do, thinking to ourselves, oh, well, they're having a hard time or, you know, they went through a breakup last month or whatever happened. So I, I feel like I have to invite them to stay with me or I can't cancel on our dinner plans or whatever it is. We are perpetuating a culture that says it's much more acceptable to ease other people's pain and to prioritize other people than it is to sit with yourself, than it is to tend to your own wounds, than it is to develop a deep, meaningful, juicy relationship with yourself. And what I've learned is that the more that I say no to people or the more that I give myself some space to not reply so quickly to friends going through something or a question or this or that, most of the time, people figure it out on their own. And a lot of times when you say no to someone, that sends them in a redirection to reach out to another friend that maybe sparked something that they really needed. Or maybe they're sitting at home alone, which could be really great for them. Okay? So bringing it into this weekend, this is something that happens to me quite often. So I have been with people all summer traveling. I've had roommates. And this weekend was one of the first weekends. I'm back in New York. I had no plans, no visitors, nothing big happening, no big deadlines. And I had multiple girlfriends ask me to hang out. And when my like best closest girlies asked me, I was very straight up. I'm like, I'm not making any plans this weekend. I'm just going to stay home. I want to just see what I feel like doing, just have a little weekend with myself. And there was no questions asked because with my girlfriends who are in that really close inner circle, we've really created a culture in our friendship where prioritizing yourself is not weird. Spending alone time is not weird. It's celebrated. It's needed. And we'll often check in on each other like, hey, I know that you had said that you were feeling run down and really wanted to spend Friday night in but now I heard you're making plans with so-and-so like you good. <laughs> what happened there? But I had some, let's call them, you know, just friends or newer friends that asked to hang out. And there that guilt was, immediate guilt in my chest, in my stomach. And I even had the urge to lie, to protect their feelings of, you know, them possibly feeling rejected by me because I would dare to want to spend time with myself over them. I would rather lie than do that. And that is the problem. And I gave up lying about two years ago, like even white lies. I can count, I think, I would say one, maybe one and a half times I lied. <laughs> we can have another lying podcast episode and what those two lies were. They were very small white lies, but I just don't do it anymore. And anyways, so I decided to be truthful and say like, and this is a script that you can use. Hey, um, this weekend I am just going to be spending time with myself. I'm feeling into what I want to do and I'm not committing to any plan so I can just be really open and feel into my creativity and write. And to some of those friends, I said, let's rain check for next week. How's Thursday for you? But for other people, 
I didn't have it in me to make a plan. I didn't want to make a plan at that moment. And I know that we'll sync up when we sync up and that's okay. And this made me think of a memory. So my parents were divorced and I saw my dad every other weekend. And I really liked to hang out with him. Like I oftentimes would rather watch a movie with him and my sister and or honestly, we had a really great I think it was a PlayStation 3 and I was probably in like sixth grade at this point. I used to love to play video games down there and I would go to his house it's like a little special tree and eat popcorn and snacks and just hang. And a lot of times I'd rather do that than go to a party or hang out with my friends. And so I would say to him like, oh, dad, like I don't really want to go to so-and-so's house. But everybody's calling me and they said I have to go. It's going to be so great. And so-and-so is going to be there. And he would just be like, baby, use me as an excuse. I won't let you go. That's it. And I remember the relief that that gave me of having an out of, oh, great. Oh, sorry. I'm at my dad's this weekend. Like, he hasn't seen me, so I can't come. And I was like, ah, yes. And while I thank him for that, what I'm really looking forward to when I become a mom is encouraging my kids to say, hey, I'm just going to spend some alone time this weekend. Or, hey, I'm really just wanting to hang out with my mom and my sister. And that becoming the norm rather than white lies. So that's guilt. And to wrap that up, it's really learning that placing a higher value on your relationship with yourself than you do with your relationship with other people is probably going to be a lifelong journey and one that comes with some backlash. And this is a very nuanced conversation because this does not mean only looking through life from the lens of how do I benefit myself. That is not self-care. One of the biggest pieces of self-care that we're talking about here is alone time and protecting that, creating sacred time with yourself. But another huge piece of self-love is how you give to the world. In what ways do you shine your light on the relationships in your life? How do you meet the needs of others with joy and with enthusiasm and with compassion? And so this is one small part of a very big conversation around what it means to really love yourself. Okay, moving into the third roadblock that often prevents us from caring for ourselves, prioritizing ourselves and really loving on ourselves, and that's shame. So where guilt is, I did something bad. Dr. Renee Brown says it is shame essentially says I am bad. And Dr. Renee Brown says shame is a deeply painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and somehow unworthy of connection, love and belonging. So this is where I really want you to tune in here and get really honest with yourself because shame specifically I found is one of the sneakiest and most corrosive emotions that keep us from building the type of relationship with ourselves that we really want. And it keeps the truth of our self-image, of how the world sees us, how our friends see us, how our partners see us, it keeps that hidden from ourselves. Shame is doing everything it can to block the truth of who we really are, the impact we have on the world, and how effing magnificent we really are. It is that shield, it is that armor 
that was put there for protection, but it is also the very thing that is keeping us from being able to connect with ourselves deeper and the world around us. And so we've all had those moments in our life where we were in our authentic expression. Maybe we were dancing. Maybe we were making art. Maybe it was a photo we posted online that we thought we looked really good in. Maybe it was a play we performed in, a sexual experience. And someone saw that and said, no, that's gross. That's wrong. That's ugly. That's selfish. I could think of a million examples from childhood. You know, one memory I have is in kindergarten or not in kindergarten. Sorry, it was like fifth or sixth grade. We were going through uh, like paperwork at my mom's house and um, she pulled something out and she was like, oh, this must have been, it was a craft I did. She was like, this must have been maybe like from kindergarten. Wow, I can't believe I still have that, this. And it was like a drawing that I did. I remember it was like a giraffe. It was like a scene. And yeah, I was in about fifth grade at the time. And she thought that it was from kindergarten, but really it was something that I had worked on like last week. And it was this first moment of me telling myself I sucked at art. I'm a terrible artist. I can't draw. My handwriting's bad. I'm not creative. Because she thought that it was, you know, an art piece of a, a five-year-old and not of a very established, say, 11 or 12-year-old. To I remember I used to love dancing to Slave for You. Oh, my God. Brittany was like my idol. And I remember I got my whole family together and I took a chair from the kitchen and I had watched on a music video. I think it was like, I don't remember, like a Pussycat Dolls music video or JLo or something. And they did like a sexy chair dance, which is hilarious because going to sexy chair dancing classes is like one of my highest joys now. <laughs> Good thing I was able to work through this in therapy. But I did this performance where I essentially like pretty probably sensually use this chair as an art piece to dance around to a very sexy song. I remember in the middle of it, I had to be, I remember my dad was in the apartment that he lived in when my parents got divorced. So I couldn't have been more than like seven years old. He got up in the middle of it and walked out. And later my stepmom had said, hey, you know, daddy's not mad at you, nothing. You know, it's just he couldn't watch you dance like that. It's a little inappropriate. And she did her best to explain it to me. But in that moment, that was the belief that was born of I'm a bad dancer. I'm bad at this. Like, I don't move my body well. I don't know how to do this. I'm not like those girls that have rhythm. And I carried that belief with me. Probably still have that. I still usually feel like the worst one in the dance class. I still feel like, you know, this real sense of shame of like, can I really go there? And granted, it wasn't very appropriate, but I didn't know. Okay, so this is not to explore all the ways in which shame has been brought into my life. But the point is, is that the things that happened to us in our childhood and also into adulthood that were made to feel shameful for and that we carry on to protect ourselves to never feel that level of shame or ridicule again, it's keeping us from looking at ourselves in an intimate way and being with ourselves. One more example I'll give because I think that this will probably ring true for a lot of people. So the last time I really remember enjoying my own company as I do right now, I was like 20 and 
21 and I moved into my own studio apartment. It was the first time I was living alone. I had roommates up until that point. I was a senior in college and I had three blissful weeks alone. I danced. I baked. I watched documentaries. I had the best time. And then my then boyfriend moved in. That turned into a five-year relationship. And through that whole relationship, I struggled so hard to take time to be alone. And there was always this sense of guilt and shame for specifically not sitting on the couch and watching TV with him at night. And I love a little TV, don't get me wrong, but I'm not the kind of person that can watch TV every night. If I'm doing that, I know there's like something wrong. There's something kind of off because there's just so much more I want to do with my time. I want to read. I want to journal. I want to, you know, write my manifestation things. I want to be witchy. I want to learn. I want to deepen my practices. So many other things. And I remember receiving a lot of negative reinforcement if I were to say like, hey, you know, I'm going to lay with you for 20 minutes or I'll watch one show, but then I'm going to go to bed. And if I said like, I'm going to go to bed and, and watch or watch my own thing or read or whatever, it was either the silent treatment. It was immediate like moving away from me on the couch. It was like pretty rude, nasty comments. Like if you really need to do that, like if you need to do, if you need to spend that much time alone, these very like backhanded low type of comments that essentially said it was wrong for me to want to take that time to be with myself. And I think we've all felt that at times in childhood or in adulthood or maybe in our current relationships because this is just how bad most people's relationships not I don't want to say how bad how uncomfortable people are with really taking the time that it requires to develop the level of intimacy that people crave in a romantic relationship but with yourself so what happens is the more time that we avoid spending time with ourselves the more uncomfortable and kind of clunky it is when we actually do finally have the moment the night the evening the whole weekend where we can spend time with ourselves. So it's like, imagine if you didn't see a friend for like a year or two years, and then they text you and they're like, hey, I'm going to be in your city. Um, I'd love to catch up. But then neither of you ever make the plan. You never pick the place. You never pick the time. And you're both kind of feeling like, oh, it was better that way. I'm kind of happy because you wanted to avoid it. Like you haven't seen them. You didn't want to go through the whole catch up thing. You didn't want to have to tell them about your breakup or your divorce or your parent passing. You're just like, "Eh, better not to go there. Like kind of weird, kind of awkward, kind of clunky, right? Versus a friend that you're very close with. And so let's back up for a minute. So you just kind of, so it's better to just avoid it. And this is what most people do. They avoid uncomfortable conversations, vulnerable conversations, And what we do often is we make a habit of avoiding ourselves for so long and shoving our feelings away that when we do get that alone time, so much could bubble up to the surface that has been dying to be seen. And then immediately what we do is we go on our phones, (laughs) we turn on Netflix, or we go out and we spend time with people so we don't have to be with each other and face all of the years potentially or decades of avoiding ourselves and not really knowing what it will be like to be in our own company and feel our own energy. Now, versus another scenario, which is a close friend that you love 
Every time you get together, it's nonstop laughter. You dip in and out of a million different conversations from music to conspiracy theories to God and spirituality to sex to making money. It is so fun. And you are genuinely curious about one another. And you really have this deep, fulfilling connection. And you've both been really busy, say, over the last month. But you finally get together and it's on. That is how I feel about myself and my own self-love story. It is a long-term intimate relationship that I make time for in my life. And that's what you do with your best friends. That even when life gets lifey and really busy, when you get together, you're there. You're present. You're not on your phones. You're not avoiding the hard topics. You're there to genuinely get to know each other. And I remember uh, the first time after like the thick of my breakup, it was like three weeks later, I was like spending a Saturday by myself and I was like popping around. I was still living in San Diego and I was going to the beach and I was got a matcha. And I had this sense of, oh my God, I missed you. It was like this friend I haven't seen in five years. And I made a promise to her that I would not abandon her anymore. And it's a real promise that I continue to keep to myself that I'm so excited for having the amount of alone time that I have now in this time that I really get to be single so I can make it a part of my identity so that when I do have an intimate partnership, I know how important it is. I am the person that prioritizes herself and doesn't even think twice about it. Okay, so let me walk you through what it really looks like for me to spend that good, intimate, rich time with myself. And so I mentioned a few people had asked me to hang out this weekend. I said no. And I was like, okay, Sam, you're not making any plans. You're just going to have a feelings weekend. Day by day, hour by hour, you're going to say, okay, what do I feel like doing now? And so Saturday morning, I stayed in bed until 11. There's construction on my roof, so they woke me up at 7, and I couldn't go back to sleep until like 9. And then I was like in and out of this really like yummy, juicy, lucid, dreamy period. And this is like one of the most underrated times of day, I think. I also, by the way, here's shame, like ever, ever stay in bed until 11, ever. But I did this weekend. It was amazing. But anyways, there is in the personal development world this thing where it's like you have to get out of bed as soon as you open your eyes. I think Mel Robin coined this thing. Um, it's this countdown where when you open your eyes, you say three, two, one, and you have to shoot up out of bed like a rocket. This is kind of like her claim to fame, how everything changed. It's like when people say they started making their bed and then they became millionaires. Like I'm sure it was a big part of her story, but I don't, it's not necessarily like my jam. Some periods of life though, I feel like it's very useful. Anyways, the point is, is I think that it's so underrated to just lay in bed in the morning and start your day off slow in your own energy, not checking your phone and being in that in-between state. Like I have so many rich ideas that come through, creative projects, visions, connections where you're in and out of the dream, but you're awake and you're telling yourself, I don't need to get out of bed. And I, I laid there for two hours repeating to myself, you have nowhere to be. You're safe. Just relax. And I just got to really snuggle up and cuddle up in my own energy for two hours as I saw the sun start to pour in and I could start to hear the city 
rise and wake and bustle. And it was such a beautiful, like soft landing into the day. And around probably like maybe 1030, I reached on to over to my nightstand and I grabbed Laura Belgray's book, uh, Tough Titties. That is hilarious. And she's one of my favorite writers. I've been savoring it, like savoring it, like a good, good piece of chocolate all summer. And I finished the book and I just laid there feeling all the feels that come with finishing a book you love, how bittersweet it is. And then I put on music and I cleaned up the house. I walked and I got my favorite iced coffee. And that I was like, okay, what do I feel now? And I wanted to go to a bookstore. So I went to a bookstore and I read poetry books and I sat there for two hours and I journaled. And then I was like, okay, now I want to move my body. I could use a sweat. So I hopped on class pass and I went to a last minute yoga class at Core Power. On the way home, I was passing Whole Foods. I'm like, perfect. I'll buy some figs and a rotisserie chicken and some flowers because of course. And then I came home and there it was, shame, 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 shame. It was only five o'clock. I had no intention of going out and the city was so loud, like bustling. And the narrative in my head was, it's Saturday night. You can't get a date. Kind of pathetic. Something wrong with you? Where are all your friends? You should be out. You should be dancing. And then the shame shifted to, you're a shitty friend. Multiple people asked you to hang out this week, and you know that some of them have been going through a hard time. Why aren't you with them? This is so self-indulgent. And then I thought to myself, a really powerful question. If not now, when? I'm 27 years old. Nothing major is wrong in this moment. Everything is okay. Yeah, I got stress. Yeah, there's things. But in this moment at 6 p.m. on a Saturday night, I'm okay. There's no big fires. I'm healthy. I'm not in agonizing pain right now. There's times in my life where I have been. I have so much creativity and so much curiosity inside of me, in my mind and in my heart that I want to explore and parts of my soul that I don't even know yet. I have everything that I need in this room right now. I have snacks. I have tea. I have books. I have journals. I have the internet. I have music. I have flowers. I have low lighting. I have everything I need to have the most amazing night with myself. And yet, what am I running from? And so those are two really powerful questions that I want you to ask yourself the next time you are avoiding spending time with yourself. If not now, when? And what am I running away from? And both of those questions are really going to help you see your shame and say, hey, I know you've been here to protect me, but I'm safe right now. And I would like to just spend some good time with myself. And if you want to be the person who is the creative, the artist, the maker, the well-read woman, you need to use your alone time better and take it seriously and prioritize it. Okay, so now let's get into some fun practices. And there are three of them. So number one, practice to get more comfortable prioritizing yourself and really develop that juicy relationship with yourself. One is getting comfortable saying no, not lying about why. When you comfortably and confidently decline spending time with people because you would rather spend time with yourself, it gives them permission to do the same. So stop feeling bad about saying, 
or guilty about saying or shaming yourself for saying, I'm actually just going to spend the weekend alone. I hope you have the best time at that dance class. Two, make a list of all of the things that you love to do by yourself or could love to do or are curious about doing by yourself other than scrolling and other than watching TV. So this is what I call my alone time list. And I have an alone time in an out list. So my alone time in list is for, it's really my nighttime list. It's my list that I turn to when I find myself at 8 p.m., you know, still having a few hours of me wanting to be awake, but I'm like on my phone. I'm like, oh no, okay, no. Like I get to spend all this juicy time with myself. I get to cultivate my passions and my creativities. And so make a list of all the things that you can do. And so I have a longer list than this, but I'm just going to give you some examples. So one is always ask yourself on both of the tops of these lists, the alone time out list and the alone time inside list or my nighttime list. Number one is always what have I been curious about lately? So maybe you're curious about the Barbie movie. Like I went on the director Greta Gerwig rabbit hole of like, who is this woman? Who is this mad genius? I spent like two hours doing that this week. I was curious about the Barbie movie. What have you been curious about? And just open your computer or open a journal and just start writing and researching about it. That is how you become a person with the anecdotes at the party where you're just like, wow, she's intelligent, right? And it's not you're not doing it for that. You're doing it for you. You're doing it to develop a rich personality and dig into things that light your curiosity because I promise you, your curiosity will lead you to the best loves of your life, the best friends of your life, and the best times of your life. Okay, more on my alone time list is dance in front of the mirror. I really like to do that. I've always have, always will. Watch music interviews. So I love Stevie Wonder, he popped into my mind the other night and I was like, oh, I wonder if there's like some good interviews about him. I learned all these things about him, about his inspiration, about songs, his influences, his upbringing. It was so much fun. This morning, it's Sunday morning right now as I'm recording this, I've been really into poetry lately and I've been thinking about, okay, how can I dabble with some songwriting? It's something that I actually used to do when I was really little, like on the low and something I've always been curious about. And so I somehow found an interview about The Dream. And The Dream is, he's the guy that sings, when the falsetto, it's like, ooh, ooh, baby. It's called falsetto. It's such a jam. Anyways, he wrote Umbrella, Single Ladies, was one of the writers on Baby by Justin Bieber. He is like one of the, the industry's biggest songwriters. I had no idea. So I just like read, like listened and read so much about him. It was so inspiring. Also on my list, read The Atlantic. I'm a subscriber to The Atlantic magazine. I love it. Watch interviews of people who inspire me. Kobe Bryant. I've been on a big kick with him lately. He's really amazing. Rest in peace. Oh, my God. Like, what a mind. I've had no idea. I'm not a sports girl. But he, gosh, has so much wisdom that he continues to share, thankfully, because of all the interviews and documentaries. Brene Brown, Joe Dispenza, (laughs) The Dream, all these people also on my alone time list. Make love to myself. I don't just mean a self-pleasure practice. I mean like put my beautiful oils on. It also could be a self-pleasure practice, um, which you know I highly recommend being intentional about it, writing poems, channeling. I love to channel and just be in the energy of what it will feel like to be with my future husband. Sometimes I'll get a little pang to channel my daughter and see what she has for me. Sometimes I'll channel my dad and ask him for advice and write out 
and flow with what I know he would be saying to me, right? Sometimes I like to just play with AI and hop on ChatGPT and research things and tell to tell me little stories about something that may inspire a poem or a thought process. And then I also have my seasonal projects. And so this is something that I really wanted to pass on as well as we start to dip into fall and out of summer is every season I have creative projects where um, it's kind of like a semester project that you work towards all season. And so for the summer, I had a card game that I really wanted to finish. So think like We're Not Really Strangers or Cards Against Humanity, not so much Cards Against Humanity. It's more just like a a prompt game. And I really wanted to create one for um, like a girl's night, like really like very intimate questions, very spiritual, very deep, um, because I feel very blessed that my my girlfriends, we have, we really get into it. We talk about death. We talk about sex. We talk about shame. And I really wanted to finish the questions for that card game. And so that was my summer project. I did it. I'm really excited about it. My other summer project was this podcast and I did it and celebrating. We're past 2000 downloads, which feels just so great that it's steadily growing. But anyways, those are my projects. And so for fall, I have a book that I'll be finishing And it's also to get the packaging and everything done for the card game. So you can also think about, okay, what's my fall project? And then at night when you're alone, hanging out, put on some music, a candle. And those are always my requirements, I think, to to make everything a little more romantic because it does good lighting and work on your project, whatever that is. It could be poetry. It could be a film project. It could be anything. But projects are fun and adults you know, they shouldn't just be for children. We should have fun adult creative projects that we're working on just because. Okay, so now for my alone time list for being out, taking myself on a date, like just for a good meal, museums, workout classes, bookstore, library, poetry nights, walks in the park. And I suggest doing one of those things a week outside and also working on one of those things alone inside. And I can really say at this point in my life, I oftentimes will choose to do things alone, even though my natural extroverted self really wants to call a friend because I know that when I go do things alone, like go show up at a poetry night alone, it makes me so uncomfortable and it makes me feel so vulnerable. But it is the only way that I really get to meet those parts of myself and hold myself in that discomfort and build that relationship with myself that I really, really want and that I think we really all deserve. And so I said that I had three tips. I think it was only two, but do we care? I don't know. Somebody tell me. My type A's are like, you said three. (laughs) But those are my recommendations. And share this with a friend so that we can really start to create a culture where alone time is normalized, where we can really love and celebrate ourselves out loud and that is the world that I'm on a mission to create here. So if you want to learn how to get even more in touch with your intuition and to build that deeper, richer relationship with yourself, I have a free gift for you. Go to samanthabove.com forward slash intuition. It's three more practices that I haven't mentioned on the podcast that will help you you know, connect to your gut, connect to your spiritual psychic senses that live within all of us. And they're fun. And if you're curious about in-person events and retreats that we'll have coming up, go to smithbove.com forward slash Reiki retreat. 
and always connect with me on Instagram at samantha.bove and at she's too much on Instagram. I love hearing from you. I love talking to you. I just, it makes my day and I just love you guys and I can't wait to see you next week. Bye everybody. Go spend some juicy alone time. Bye.